Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Hi, welcome to Recovery Sort Of. I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Jason. I'm trying to recover. (laughs) And uh, today we wanted to have a discussion about pain medication and being a person in abstinence-based recovery, uh, trying to navigate issues with pain medication, when you should take it, if ever, if ever Mm. you should take it, and when you should take it, and the dangers of taking it, and all the fun stuff around that. this kind of came Pain. up. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Uh, this came up for me recently. I had issues with kidney stones, which are incredibly painful. Um, I had to basically go into the emergency room and say, please give me pain medication <laughs> because this hurts so fucking bad. I need you to do something for me. And that felt awkward and was very awkward. And uh, even now, that whole experience it, with with 20 years of abstinence-based recovery, it was it's still a weird area to navigate for me. It's still difficult. Yeah, I, I had to take pain medication after a surgery. I say I had to. I don't know that I had to. Uh, I've heard about people going through, quote-unquote, uh, bigger, harder, more painful surgeries and, and not taking it. Um, of course, that guy left his wife for... A young girl or something. I don't know. That was a whole big (laughs) thing, too. Anyway, so I don't know. I'm not going to say that his was the right way. Mine was the wrong way. I went through the process. I told him uh, I have this addiction history. Maybe we don't want to do pain medicine. The doctors and nurses swore up and down that it was the healthiest thing I could do because it promotes healing. And I'm still debating that idea in my head, but that's how it was sold to me. So I was like, fine, I'll do what they tell me to do. Like, look, normally... I struggle to follow doctor's orders, so I don't know if this was the part of me that was like, you're going to be an upstanding citizen and follow the doctor's orders this time, or if it was a part of me that was like, you got a fucking excuse, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I went with it, I took it, and I will say, scared me. Uh, at the very least, it scared me. I, I thought, oh, I got this time without using, it's going to feel awful to be out of my mind, right? Nope, nope, felt warm and cozy, just yeah. like I remember it. Yeah, that's what makes it scary and weird. Yeah. Um, even this most recent time. So I, you know, had the kidney stone ended up, it, it hit me in the middle of the night. I ended up in the emergency room at three o'clock in the morning, you know, in agony. I mean, it was really severe pain and all I wanted was pain medication. And of course, I know nowadays in this climate and especially where we are in Cecil County, like you can't just walk in there and be like, hey, I just want some pain medication. But that's truthfully, that's all I needed, and that's right. all I wanted. And and even to say, like, say that I needed it is is feels kind of weird. But I was in so much fucking pain, I was throwing up, like mm. it hurt that bad. And if I knew, if they would have told me any other things I could do, I would have been one hundred percent willing to try them. But in any case, they get me in there. Um, they. You know, put in the IV, they shoot me up with something. It it wasn't, a, and it might have been opiate-based, but it wasn't an opiate base that I had ever heard of. It wasn't, uh, like, Dilaudid or, or anything. It was whatever drug they gave me for the pain. But I, it didn't make me high or feel high, maybe because I was in so much pain. Mm. But it definitely fucking made the pain go away, and within, like, 35, 40 minutes, I was like, fuck yeah, this is all I needed. (laughs) And now I'm fine. I should just take this every day. Yeah, this should take this. So, and that's where it starts to get weird. So they gave me a prescription for five uh, oxycodone. I think it was oxycodone. Anyway, definitely an opiate. They gave me a prescription for five of those and said, look, 
You might be in pain over the next day or two until you pass this stone. Here's five of these. Make an appointment with a urologist, you know, and, and follow up. So I went home that next day. I took one pill that day because I was still in a lot of pain, laying around on the fucking couch, couldn't move, you know, and took one. And then that's where the weird thinking starts. So the pain seemed to get better and it seemed to go away. But then, like, my head starts doing that tricky thing where it's like, oh, I think it's starting to hurt a little bit. Maybe I should just take one now so that by the time the pain hits me later, I won't feel it. And, like, that's where I go. Like doctors and nurses sell me on this idea. (laughs) When I had my surgery, they were like, you want to make sure you take these ahead of time. You don't want to. It's harder to catch up once the pain actually onsets. So you got to be preemptive about it. Like you are fucking speaking addict to me, bro. (laughs) All I hear is take a bunch. Yeah. Well, if that was (laughs) the case, I would have taken all five in the first day. (laughs) Because I know it's coming. Well, that and to be honest, I mean, the fear of that pain coming back in that in that first day, like now it's like, ah, whatever, I'll deal with it. You know, and then when I get to that point, I'll be crying again. But in the day or two after that, like, fuck that. Like, I don't care what I had to do to not feel that level of pain. It was misery. But again, that's where my head is like, oh, it's fine. You can take them. You got five, you know. And uh, I fucking love opiates and I love that feeling. And I do not like pain in any sort of emotional or physical way. Right. So the absence of it is wonderful. I mean, if they prescribed you five, it's probably safer to just take all five right then and there to get them out of the way so you know you can't use them, right? right. And I've been there as well. So I've had a couple injuries, a couple surgeries since I've been clean. Um, the very first one, I had my wisdom teeth cut out. I think I had two cut out and two pulled, and I didn't take any pain medication for that. Um, I went into it. Typical, I had a year or two clean and went in with the fucking addict, you know, mentality of new and recovery. Like, I don't need any pain medication. I can do it without it. And honestly, I did, but I wasn't in a lot of pain from that. I really wasn't. I mean, it just, it didn't hurt all that much. So I didn't, I don't feel like I like sacrificed anything being some kind of weird martyr. Like, it didn't hurt that much. It hurt for a couple days. I took some Tylenol and it was fine. I thought you were going to say you took them there, and I was going to make fun of you. I was like, uh, really? For some <laughs> wisdom teeth? Yeah. I had one pulled in prison, and here's the reality, right? I had it pulled in prison. This guy fucked it all up. I don't know what he was thinking. He he yanked on my goddamn jaw for like half an hour, and then was like, oh, fine, I'll go clean the right tool. And he went and got the right tool and cleaned it and came back and pulled it right out. And I'm like, did you really just fuck my face up because you were lazy? And for like three weeks, I had something that looked like a baseball sticking out of the side of my fucking face. It was like that Uh. swelled up. And those first couple days, for sure, I don't remember it specifically very well at this point, but had I been home and had the option for something, because they ain't giving you no pain medicine in prison, uh, I'd have taken it. Like, there's no doubt. But then I'll I'll use that as an example of why nobody else needs to, even though I would have if I'd had the option, (laughs) right? Like, that doesn't make sense. didn't have to, yeah. And, uh... You know, then I got some years years clean after that, and, you know, I had a sponsor that kind of said, look, we're not fucking animals. Like, we don't need to live like barbarians, you know, if we get injured or whatever. And, and that had come up. I was riding a dirt bike, and I broke my thumb. I uh, wrecked and, and broke my thumb, and when it happened... You know, I I knew it was broke. It was all messed up. And I drove myself to the hospital and I was completely by myself when I went there. And I'm I'm driving to the hospital and like it was that weird thinking started crossing my mind. Like you can fucking get high. Like you got a legal high now and it'll be Mm -hmm. fine. You got the freebie. Yeah. And that scared the shit out of me. And I ended up, you know, breaking out my, and this is one of the reasons I used to carry the little, and a phone book, the little blue one, with me all the time. It had a bunch of phone numbers in it. And I literally broke that out and started calling people in my home group at the time. And Billy I stopped at a payphone. Yeah, stopped at a payphone. <laughs> and I found, you know, one of my home group member 
friends. He was available. wasn't even a guy I was particularly close with. I said, look, this is what's going on. You know, Jen was at, my wife was at work or wherever she was. She couldn't come. And, uh, I said, well, you just come to the hospital with me and, and be there. So I don't fucking, you know, do anything stupid or whatever. I just, he used, he used yeah. the home group money to catch an Uber to see yeah. you. <laughs> He's like, it's service work. Yeah, it's service work. It comes out of the budget. Um, so he came and hang out, hung out with me at the hospital, and it was bad. I had to cut my wedding ring off and all Ooh. kinds of shit. Yeah, my whole hand was fucked up. And uh, just, I guess the idea of telling on myself helped. Now, I, to be honest, I can't remember. I don't think I got any pain medication that day. I did have to go see a, a actual orthopedic doctor, because in the hospital, they, they said, you just got to go see an orthopedic doctor. Somebody's got to fix your shit. <laughs> so I went and saw an orthopedic doctor. They had actually had surgery done, and they put some pins in there and all kinds of shit. And I did get put out for that and took pain medication for that. But again, it's that same... You know, they, they give you the pain medication, and it's like, well, I better just take it ahead of time. And they said I can take two, so I'm definitely taking two. Okay. And I did that for a day or two. And then it's like, all right, you know, when should I stop taking it? When should I keep taking it? You know, because I don't trust myself. I can't trust my own judgment with that shit. Yeah, I don't. I it, oh, So it doesn't make any sense to me because my idea is how would I know if I ever really needed it? If I'm taking it preemptively, right? Like I, I don't even get to the point where I know if I need it or not. You're telling me I'm supposed to take it already. Yeah, for me personally, it it isn't even necessarily the the you know quote unquote need it. I don't know that that's where I struggle. What I worry about is how long can I take it before it really starts to fuck with me. And for me, it's been my experience has been about. A day or two, you know, I like, got eight and a half hours. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's been about two days, you know, getting through like the severe pain, and then I will stop taking it. And at times, I've been in some pretty a decent amount of pain that probably, you know, a, a normal person would want to take some medication for. But I don't like the way my where my head goes because mm. even with a bunch of time and being connected in a fellowship with a sponsor and working steps and all that stuff, like my head still goes to, uh, you know, two, two the last time did okay, but fucking three, you know, it really, three is going to feel way better. I'm like, yeah, it's going to fucking feel way better because I'm going to be high. <laughs> like, that's why it's going to be <laughs> That's better. where you're fucking up. You're not taking enough to shut the voice up that says <laughs> right. this is a bad idea. <laughs> you just need yeah. to take more. And then, uh, and like the, so the hand surgery, so I got the surgery and then they leave the pins in. I can't remember for how long, for like a week or two. And then they got to pull them out. And so that doctor tells me, oh, what you want to do is take your pain medication before you come here. Like before you come in, because what's going to happen, you're going to come in here and I'm going to rip these pins out of your fucking hand mm. and it's going to hurt. He didn't say fucking hand. He said, I'm, we're going to take your pins out and it's going to hurt. And so I'm like, okay, you know, that's a definitely a twofer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go in and again, sure enough, I'm glad I did because I go in there and they basically, he holds my hand down with one hand and takes what feels like a pair of pliers and starts Ooh. ripping these pins out of my hand. I'm not even asleep. <laughs> oh, oh, it was miserable, you know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Felt like I was in some you know medieval movie the surgery i was out for when they put right. him in i don't know how they put him in but he just yanked them out with pliers in a doctor's wow. office yeah it was fucked up and uh <laughs> that hurt a lot i mean it hurt <laughs> like, but uh I'm sure you were in a doctor's office <laughs> yeah i one of the first state orthopedic which is yeah. in delaware is one of the best in the country i mean they do great work and in fairness all the things they've done a couple things for me everything's healed up great but mm. that yeah that seemed pretty barbaric <laughs> them ripping pins out with pliers in the office i mean he got you high first jeez <laughs> give him a break <laughs> get good and high before you come in because but yeah it's it's so tricky to know like what is healthy and what's not healthy and in all these cases i will say one for me, it's been important to, like, just be honest and, and tell on myself with, 
like my sponsor and my wife and you know other people that are around talk about it openly in a meeting mm-hmm. i feel like that at least puts me in a place of accountability mm-hmm. you know that i'm that i'm being kind of honest because even if i'm not being dishonest just not talking about it you know keeping it a secret puts me in a vulnerable place puts me in a dangerous place yeah and that being honest about it you know at least gives me some accountability makes me feel like i'm accountable to to people around to let them know what's going on well and i think this is the confusing part for for addicts in total abstinence programs or or maybe you know people in recovery even not in total abstinence programs because it's just because you're not in a complete abstinence program i don't think that makes this decision any easier like you're still possibly you know opening yourself to the idea of going back to something that feels really good by accident right um but i think it's tricky because who do you listen to whose suggestion do you take who really knows you got people in uh at least in the na fellowship that you know are completely against taking pain medication for the most part uh you know maybe some skew to the it's okay to take it for limited amounts of time under doctor's orders but then you got the doctors and nurses and the medical professionals telling you this is useful for your recovery time and and the process and the healing and so it's like okay well you guys are the professionals who are supposed to know that but you don't understand the way my disease talks to me because you've never experienced that and on the other hand i got these people who understand the way disease talks to me but don't have any idea of the medical professional side of it and it's like how do you bridge that gap of like where's the right amount and and here's the other i mean the the really the probably the overwhelming real question is or or problem dilemma sometimes we're just gonna have to fucking take it and we're gonna feel like it's using and we're gonna want to use again yeah that that doesn't make it not the right thing to take it for your surgery or whatever you're going through like you might need to take it right doesn't change the fact that it's gonna awaken that thing in you that likes it and I mean, to phrase it that way puts it perfectly, I guess, more clear maybe than I was. Like, yes, that's exactly what's happened for me is every time I've had to take it, it awakens that thing in me that loves that fucking feeling and wants to get high. And it doesn't matter, you know, where I'm at in my recovery, how many years, how many steps, how many service commitments you know what i mean like just taking that drug and getting on that feeling and again i don't necessarily think it's the wrong thing to do but it's a fucking risk that comes along with it and i have never been a person i have told so i think my primary care doctor knows that i have an addiction history but i don't fucking tell doctors or emergency room people that i got an addiction Mm. problem uh, someone had said to me one time, and I believe it was someone in a medical profession, like, don't tell them that shit because they'll start making decisions about your treatment that are different than what would be the best course of treatment. Wow. I can't say whether that's true or not. I And, and it's not out of any kind of shame. I'm not ashamed to right. be an addict or anything else. I just... I want you to fucking treat me how you would treat me and I'll be responsible for my recovery. That fucking doctor doesn't, Hmm. you know, his understanding or lack of understanding about what it means to me to be an addict is not how I want him to start making decisions about my fucking treatment. And that's the opposite of what the, the, when I say the NA people, I obviously don't mean everybody. We've all got our own opinions and brains, but in general, that's the opposite of what they'll tell you. They'll tell you the responsible thing for your recovery is to tell them so that they can take it into account. And that's where a lot of this just gets interesting. And so early on, hitting a meeting in my neighborhood, there was a guy who I didn't know. He just seemed a little weird to me. Earl. Old Earl. <laughs> uh, and I heard from getting in with the NA people, you know, talking after the meeting and stuff, that apparently there was some confusion as to whether he was going to be allowed to celebrate or not because he was trying to celebrate six years he also had chronic back pain and was on percocets and they didn't know if they considered him clean or not which i guess at this point in my life i'm like it wasn't none of your fucking business but at the time that was the thing and i'm like oh so i i got indoctrined to that type of thinking early right like somebody else gets to decide how they feel about pain medicine and whether it's right for me, whether it's prescribed by a doctor or not. 
right? And and honestly, like I don't know. Can somebody take Percocets every day for the rest of their life and feel like they're clean? Like I, I, that's a really big question that I don't have an answer to because right. I mean, in one sense, I'm not saying you're not I'm not saying you're not supposed to take it. I'm not saying it's not the right thing to take it. I'm not saying you don't require taking it for your best life. I don't know that you're as clean as the guy who's not taking it. (laughs) How do you you know? So, but anyway, I got that message early. And then I remember like, I think I had a little less than a year, maybe a little more than a year clean at one point was working at a glass factory, cut a rather large notch out of my thumb, (laughs) fucking with the glass one day, went to the emergency room. Uh, It was pretty fucked up. You know, they fixed it, stitched it up, whatever the hell they did with it. And he gave me a prescription for two Percocets. And, and I took the prescription, not with the intent of filling it, but as a just in case. Like he had just, he had numbed the area before he cleaned it. And I didn't know what that was going to do later on. Right. And I said, well, it doesn't hurt to have it. If I need it, I can go get it. If not, no big deal. I told my girlfriend who was in recovery. She thought that made sense. And then I told my sponsor and he was like, you don't fucking need them. And I was like, well, I'm not filling it. I'm keeping it in case. He's like, man, you're reserving a place to relapse. <laughs> Something along these lines, right? And I'm like, well, who gets to say that? <laughs> right. Like, right? Like, right. I mean, I trusted my sponsor, but at the same time, the doctor gave them to me because he thought in his experience it might require them. And my plan was not to fill them. It was like trying to be safe and, you know, thorough, like. What if I don't take that prescription home and it is really painful later? And so it was just really, I don't know, it rubbed me the wrong way that he said that to me. But it definitely, I picked up early on, NA people don't agree with pain medication. It's just not okay. Yeah. And I've known two individuals who have suffered that. One of them had cancer. Fucking guy's dying of cancer. Well, he was in a, I think he was in a, I might have the story a little bit messed up. I think he was in a pretty bad motorcycle accident and got pretty fucked up and then got cancer after that. Mm. But, I mean, it was to the point, whatever, where he, like, was getting around on one of those little scooter things. Like, he couldn't even walk and shit and was still coming around to N.A. Had been a fixture. I mean, a staple of recovery was, like, the guy that was heavily involved in H&I, you know, going out to the jails and speaking all the time. I mean, was like a pillar of the NA community. And when he started struggling with his health issues and had to go on pain medication, people were pretty fucking brutal, you wow. know. A lot of sponsees dropped him and kind of turned their back on him, be like, you know, you can't sponsor me, you're fucking on pain medication and shit like that. And mm. it was, and I wasn't, particularly close to him i mean i knew him um just from being around and and stuff but it was it it, same it it was a bad like i thought what shitty people are (laughs) we you know and i lumped myself right in there i wasn't excusing myself i'm like what fucking shitty people are we to like turn our backs on a dying person over a fucking technicality like but at the same time and i'm not saying turn your back on him Right. Like if he's your sponsor, I'm not saying turn your back on him, reach out, love him, care for him, all those great things. But is he going to be able to sponsor you and guide you clearly? Like, and that's, that's where I think the question comes in. That same part of you that arises when we take a a pain medication is going to arise for probably any of us. Right. I don't know any of us that it doesn't. So is that individual going to be able to be in a clear enough mind state to sort out the part that's arising that isn't the part we want to live in today versus the suggestions and guidance that are giving me. Like, I would question the shit out of that, too. Sure, but there's a way to, like, change sponsors without, you know what I mean, making a big fucking ugly scene about it. I mean, like, we were talking about doing an episode on when it's time to change sponsors, and and maybe that's one of them, but this is my two cents worth, maybe other people's experience with their sponsors is different, but every one of my sponsors has given what I felt like freely and unconditionally of their time, love, and attention to helping me for no, you know, free of charge, whatever you want to call it, like of their own 
good, you know, action. I personally feel like I owe them a level of respect and gratitude and dignity, you know, that no matter what they're going through, it's not like I I just owe them that level of respect. Anybody that's going to do that for me. I know not maybe everybody feels that way or has had different experiences with sponsors, but that's just the way I feel about it. So it's okay to drop them. It's just got to be kinder. Well, we change sponsors for all kinds of reasons or drop sponsors for all kinds of reasons. Listen, I Bob, mean, I know you've been sponsoring me a long time, but you're a junkie now. And I'm just <laughs> right, going to have to roll out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and in, in fairness to the fellowship, there were some people that did still, because this was a guy and, of course, his wife and, you know, some things. And there, they had people that did support them. People would go to their home and take meetings to them and stuff like that. But, like, going to meetings got weird and you know what i mean it just it was it was weird and it gave me a bad it left a bad taste in my mouth for someone who had done so much and you think and again same i had another friend that was a guy that i don't think he had 20 no he's got the same amount of time as me so he's got 20 now so he had 15 plus years it sponsored a lot of people been around started with the back issues and tried to avoid surgery as long as he could so they put him on some pain medications and it just seemed the same there was a lot of people you know talking behind his back that you know he's using he's because whenever they put you on any kind of pain medication i mean there's gonna probably be points where you look like you're using i mean you're fucking on drugs and in we have a piece of literature in narcotics anonymous called in times of illness and it does say right in there and it's been my experience you know our body does not know the difference between drugs prescribed by a doctor and drugs that we get off the street from our dealer like an opiate is an opiate now i can take a little less of it i mean i don't have to take it to the point where i'm fucking nodding out and letting my cigarette burn my fingers but you sure? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> Which is funny. I thought my that. eyes are still open, damn it. <laughs> I actually thought that one of the first times I took pain medication the way it was prescribed. I'm like, well, this ain't near as fucking good as the way I do it. You know, <laughs> The way I do it's way better than this. Yeah, this doctor don't know how to prescribe <laughs> this shit. But, you know, you take a couple fucking opiates or a couple Percocets and you're you know, you're going to probably look high, your, high, your eyes are going to be pinned and you might be a little sort of out of it. And and so, you know, that that stuff is so scary, you know, and then it, like say for me, my experience has been I don't know. I mean, my brain tells me I fucking need it all the time. <laughs> like, that's what it wants to tell me. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. So this just occurred to me. I just questioned this sponsor, this theoretical sponsor, or not so theoretical. You were talking about a real guy. Uh, But I just questioned his ability to think clearly when on the pain medication. But like if we go back to before the pain medication, when this guy's in chronic debilitating pain, is he really going to be able to think clearly and guide me then (laughs) either? (laughs) I don't know that he's going to be able to think clearly. Yeah, right. Like or rationally. Yeah, that's not really... Like, go back to your, your kidney stone. Like, you're not going to be able to give me a good suggestion if I call you in the middle of that experience. No, I was literally telling Jen in the middle of the night, I'm like, I think I'm giving up now. And I really <laughs> thought I wanted to die. Like, I mean, not that I was going to kill myself. I just, I was like, I want to be dead. I don't want to feel like this anymore. After four or five hours of that fucking pain. Right. Because, you know... The hospital was terrible, and that's a whole nother story. I laid there for four fucking hours in excruciating pain before they finally did anything. But, 
you know, I was not thinking rationally or clearly at all. <laughs> like, you know, all my thoughts were irrational. And the truth is, I, I mean, I'm sure at some point my head thought if I knew somewhere to go get some fucking heroin, I probably would have because mm-hmm. I just wanted to stop feeling that way. Right. I just wanted to stop being in that level of pain. Mm. Um, I also, I think I've told you this. I had an issue where I took medication that wasn't prescribed to me one time. You too. did? Yeah. So. I know people who'd say you used. I, yeah. <laughs> I, and I've thought that too. Um, now I don't care. Back then I cared more. I think I had, well, I probably had eight to 10 years clean and I was all defensive of my clean time. Now I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You can think what you want. I really <laughs> don't care. Um, and that was, so I've been through also a couple toothaches. I went through uh, at least one root, I think two, two root canals now because I had terrible teeth. I'll say it's genetic, but a lot of it's been, I never fucking took care of my teeth when I was using for a long period of time. Um, and so I've been through some pretty bad toothache pain. I've been through the point where I didn't take medication or anything, where I like laid there up the whole night to the next day waiting to get in to see the dentist where I was just putting ice chips in my mouth, you know, so that it would stop hurting for five minutes and Mm. didn't sleep for like two days until I could get into the dentist to get them to do something about my teeth. Now I went through the root canal surgery the the first time, went through the whole thing. And afterwards I, I had a similar, what you said, they said, here's a prescription for pain medication you may or may not need it, but here's a prescription. And I took the prescription. And after the surgery, I didn't need it. Like, I didn't get it filled, and I never needed it. But it hurt fucking bad before that surgery, and I had gotten pain medication. The, Is that even out? Because you didn't take the prescription yeah, afterwards? Right, it, it was it fair? Out. It's, it, it counts. <laughs> so the time that I took it that it wasn't prescribed to me, there's a whole scenario here that I want to lay out oh, to justify boy. my situation, which I don't know. Maybe I told you the whole story. I but, don't think so. So I had been dealing with a toothache for a couple days. I had an appointment to go see a dentist. It was in a couple days. It hadn't been that horrible yet, but this was after my first one that was really horrible. My mom was really sick. We were in the emergency room with my mom. It was me and my sister in the emergency room with my mom, who at the time had COPD and would go through all these uh, really, I don't know what you call it. She would get into these weird, like, couldn't breathe, panic attack, COPD type of situations, Mm. and her heart would start freaking out, and then she would end up, we'd take her to the emergency room. So we're in the emergency room and my fucking tooth started hurting and it's hurting and it's, you know, it's getting worse and worse. And I took some Tylenol and it's getting worse and we're fucking sitting there with my mom and I'm like, man, this is fucking killing me. And my sister's like, oh, well, here I got mom's, you know, she had some kind of pain medication for, I don't even remember what some, I was an opiate for sure. You stole your mom's pain medication. Yeah, stole my mom's pain pill. And my sister's <laughs> like, well, here, mom's got this pain medication for whatever she had it for. Do you want to just take one of these? And I said, yes. And I hmm. took it, you know, and it was, I want to say like impulsive. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to get high. It was like, I'm fucking hurting. And this will fix it. And there was all this other crisis. You know, we're in the fucking emergency room with my mom who thinks she's dying. And, you know, it just was a easy, convenient, not very well thought out kind of thing. It was like impulsive. It was almost like taking Tylenol. Like, oh, here, I have these. Do you want to take one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I'll take it. And I took it. And then afterwards. You hear that, kids? Tylenol and pain medication. No difference. <laughs> yeah, right. Swallow them down. So afterwards, though. Sort of, it got to be one of those things where after it happened, I was like, wow, this is something I probably don't want to talk about. Like, this Mm. should probably be a secret because what are people in NA going to think? What are people, my, what's my sponsor going to take, think, you know, am I going to lose my clean time? Like all that stuff started to matter. Yeah. And it started to be something I didn't want to share, didn't want to talk about with anybody. And, uh, you know, I, I pushed through it. I ended up sharing about it. And now I, I mean, I don't just go blurting it out all the time but it's come up i think i've shared it at anniversaries in case people wanted to take my cake away or fucking not let me celebrate but uh if i take it away do i get an extra piece yeah 
at the, the time. Only, <laughs> yeah, right. The only justification I got. I'll take it back if I can have it. Right. <laughs> but uh, at the time, like, I talked to my sponsor, and we sat down and talked. He's like, what, you know, what was your real motivation for taking it? I mm-hmm. said, man, that fucking toothache pain is bad, and it was really, really bad. And, you know, could I have walked out to the emergency room people and said, hey, I'm having all this toothache pain and checked myself in and went through all that process. Probably, you know, I I mean, not probably, yes, I could have done that, seen what they'd have done, if anything, you know, to take care of it. Um, And in fairness, like, that would be, if that situation ever comes up again, that's what I would do. Like, I, after having that experience, I set a, a boundary or whatever you want to call it for myself mm. that it's not okay to take medication that's not prescribed to me ever never you know if i'm going to be in that situation i need to see a fucking doctor if it hurts that bad i need to go see a doctor and that's just a line that i now have for myself that i you know wouldn't do again um but yeah there's people that would say that's that i used and that i would have to give up my clean time and my Okay. Maybe That's we need a mulligan. Your opinion. <laughs> right. Maybe we need a mulligan every 10 years or something. You get one, one whoops. <laughs> so when you were in the hospital for that, that kidney thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're two hours into your, your four or five hours being there. And uh, somebody you know that used to be in recovery ends up coming in. They see you. They like pop in and say hi. They're using now. They got a script of oxys. They're like, bro, you just, you want one? Do you take it or no? <sighs> I mean, of course, right now, sitting here, I'm going to say no. You're so full of shit. But yeah, in die. that moment, You're I, like, I might have done it. You uh, know? I, yeah. I would have my wife was with me, so I would have had a justification ally. <laughs> if she would have justified it, she might have said. What do you no think? Way. Did you ever, what did she think about the tooth time? The tooth time. Um, she's the one that helped me to kind of sit down and, and come up with like a this is not okay thing. Um, that's cause she couldn't date a newcomer again. Yeah, right. She couldn't go back to dating a newcomer. We'd have to break up until I got a year. <laughs> we'd have to get divorced. I can't remember if we were married then or not. I think we were, but anyway, yeah, we'd have had to get divorced and I had to get a year. Um, no, I, I mean, again, she knew who I was and where I was and it wasn't like I was like looking for some excuse to use or looking for you know, hey, I don't like the way that I, I mean, well, I wasn't liking the way that I was feeling physically, but it wasn't like I was trying to get on some kind of drug to chase away some emotional pain or deal with some issue. It was like I was in physical pain and I had taken regular over-the-counter medicine and it didn't help. And again, was it the most responsible thing to do as an addict? No, because again, if I start making that stuff okay and then who knows what would have happened if I'd have decided, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to, because my wife wouldn't have known. My right. sister probably wouldn't have told her. My mom was basically unconscious in the bed. The only person that knew would have been me and my sister. And my sister, she doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't know, she doesn't care. I don't mean it that way. But to her, she's the one that suggested it. So it's probably her fault. She I was mean, trying was, to get a new yeah, customer. Yeah, right. <laughs> she didn't give a she fuck. She's trying to sell my mom's pain pills. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, say it's it, it happened, you know. It was like a reflex to a fear of being in pain, you know. And, and again, having not been in that situation before, it's hard to say where I would, how I would act. But now that I've been in that situation, I'm like, oh, this is an area that I need to kind of be careful. And I think this is where the the old idea of, extended uninterrupted clean time and how much pedestal we put that on is just not really relevant anymore right i think the more we learn about the idea of addiction alcoholism whatever you want to call it it's really not about that like that's not the definition of success right the more we find out through research like it's not that relapse needs to be a part of your recovery but it is that like this is a disease where we just want more and more extended periods of time of relief right it's that's not if you go to therapy for for using drugs their goal is not complete abstinence right off the bat like they could uh, that's not even really a lifelong goal i mean if that's what you want great but like their goal is like hey 
Let's try to work on getting clean. Let's try to make these slip-ups less often, right? It's like that's the goal. If you slip up and, and smoke weed, you know, once a month and then they move it to once every three months and then you get to through the work once every six months and then once a year, like, they're probably considering that pretty fucking successful. Right. Or even if you start building in some ways to deal with emotional pain that aren't resorting to drugs, you know. <laughs> right, right. I just, I think we actually in NA hold the concept of uninterrupted clean time much too high, right? Like, who gives a fuck if that was using or not, right. honestly, is where I'm at. Like, who, why does that even matter when you've got this consistent working towards recovery and being a better person? Or that this 100% abstinence is, like, you know, it, the most important criteria. Right. You know, we that, say, what what's part of recovery? Well, 100% abstinence, right? Completely clean by the drugs we define as using and clean. Right. Uh, and then we say, well, you know, you want to recover, you want to live a spiritual life, work these 12 steps, blah, 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 blah. What, right. Why is the clean time the most important part of that? Like right. if, if we rated them all equally, it'd be easy to look at your life and say, well, you've got 20 years of continuous trying to be a better person. You work steps, you got sponsor, you help people like you live this kind of lifestyle. You practice these spiritual principles like, yeah, OK, it, whatever. That was that one mistake. Not a big deal. But we don't. We look at the clean time as the only that's the primary purpose of the fucking measurement of recovery right and then the rest of it's like well is he a good person or not no but he's got 30 years clean <laughs> right. god damn it right that motherfucker's a straight asshole but he, he is <laughs> clean as hell doesn't help nobody right. sleeps with new covers right <laughs> i mean that's how we look at it really right. it's stupid it is and I mean, so my experience there has helped me to be more empathetic towards these people that like say that end up on medications for different reasons, whether it's mental health issues, maybe it's mental health issues that come up later in their recovery. Maybe it's health or issues that come up, you know, after they've had substantial clean time. I mean, that's, you know, in the case of the, the one guy with his back, like that's what it was. He had, you know, a good 15 years being in the fellowship, completely abstinent, helping all these people. And now he, you know, he didn't go out and fucking put himself in back pain on purpose. Right. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, hey, I'm going to find some loophole for getting high and fucking, <laughs> you know, fuck my back all up and be in pain. You know, so do we really need to place this shitty judgment like he's you like, is that what we need to look at in this person? Or do we try to love and support and help them through what they're going through as a member of the fellowship? Right. And so my experience with pain medication was, was similar. That voice was awakened in me right i had a surgery i followed what they said I, I took the things afterwards whether i needed them or not and then when when there wasn't no more i was like i need more i'm you know and i text my wife and i'm like yeah i called a doctor like i, I think i'm still in pain i don't know if i was or not but i was yeah. like i think i'm still in pain <laughs> and it happened to be later in the day and she was like and I don't even know if she called the doctor or not, but she said, uh, you know, you got to wait till tomorrow when the doctor's in. And by the next day, I had changed my mind. I wasn't yeah. in pain. But I, I mean, so what? I'm clean because the fucking doctor wasn't in at that point in time? Like, I yeah. And one thing I've always, and I used to kind of joke about this, and I, I mean, some people probably don't like when you share it, but I still share all the time. Like, I loved fucking getting high you know you hear people say oh getting high didn't work for me anymore oh it fucking worked for me i loved opiates heroin that feeling i mean i was in the only reason i stopped the only fucking reason is because the consequences sucked right. you know i was sick of going to jail sick of not having any money, but fuck i love the way it made me feel and so even now i am f like when that when I take that pain medication and that feeling hits me, it's fucking scares me how much I like that feeling. It's tricky, right? So we go through life in this like attachment style where we get in relationships that remind us of home, right? Oh, this guy uh, screams at me when I text people because, you know, uh, he's jealous and, and rageful and shit. Well, that feels like home. That feels like what dad did to mom, right? And we don't recognize that, but we'll stay in these unhealthy relationships just because they feel like that ease and comfort of being a child. And, and it's the same thing. Like 
when I got high, it was because there was nothing else in my life that I loved. I hated everything about my life. Right. And then getting high felt good. Well, now I do have a lot of other things that I love, and that's great. Doesn't change the fact that that, you know, using a pain medication takes me right back to that comfortable, easy feeling that I, I used to be the only joy in life at one point. Right. Yeah, and and recognizing, like, that still feels good, but a lot of things feel good, and that doesn't mean they're good for me or healthy or whatever, right. and that's just one that tends to fucking wreck things quick. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it turns me into someone I don't like, and now I like the person that I am today. I like the life that I have. Right. I like the things that I have. I work hard to keep them. You know, does that mean I have to live with some limitations? Yeah, you know, it does. Um, do I think, you know, I should have to practice a 12-step fellowship? Eh, it definitely helps, you know. It right. definitely gives me a quality of life that I want to have. But boy, it feels good, you know, being out of my mind, <laughs> <laughs> out of my head, whatever that whatever that does for you, you know, yeah. when you take that medication. I don't know. I, I still struggle. I'm like, if we, so we used because life was terrible at first. And then we got accustomed to that feeling. And I thought having my senses back and enjoying life would kind of rid me of enjoying that feeling, but it hasn't completely, obviously. At least uh, the last time I had to take pain medication, which was, fuck, I don't know, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. It's been a long time. But I'm just curious, like, is there a point to where kind of like when we talked with Y12SR and it was like if you put enough good things in and this stuff doesn't serve your purpose anymore you'll stop right because you've got these other things to fill your life up with and I'm like do we get to a point is it possible and I'm not testing it or nothing but is it possible I can get to a point where I like myself enough I love my life enough I love a lot of the aspects of what I do that every so often I could enjoy that feeling and not want to do it all the time is that even a possibility or am i just going to turn into the guy who now wants to enhance all these other things i love by doing that too oh man i love bonfires but can you imagine a bonfire on pills (laughs) (laughs) i could see both being possible i just don't yeah i don't know how to find out yeah i i wonder that too and i have decided i don't want to find out i don't know that there is a way to find out without taking just too big of a risk yeah right the risk isn't worth the reward that's exactly the way that i look at it it's like because i think i probably could you know like there's a part of me that says look man i'm almost 50 years old i'm pretty stable in my life i mean probably taking heroin isn't going to end well (laughs) that's probably i don't see that going in any kind of good direction but could I smoke weed, you know? Could I, for my anxiety, because I think I have anxiety right. issues, um, would that help, you know? Probably would. But if I play it out in my head like, okay, there's a possibility that could help. There's also the possibility that even if I only smoked weed at the end of every day when everything was done, I was responsible, the next day I would wake up and just look forward the whole day until I could get to that spot of smoking weed again. You know, if you Google it, apparently there are recreational heroin users. I have heard that's, that's a thing. crazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like how? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know about that either. The risk isn't worth it for for those types of pills, for pain medication, for the the opioids. Right. Not can't say that about psychedelics i'm still like eh, that, that might be a yeah. risk i'm worth taking well and i talked to a guy ran into a guy in the grocery store the other day who came around to meetings for years i think two or three years you know celebrated a couple anniversaries decided he could drink and he seems to be doing great mm. I, I mean according to him i don't really right. keep in touch with him now but you know, he says, yeah, you know, wife keeps me on a tight leash. I drink a couple beers every now and again, but everything's good. You know, family's doing great. And I'm like, oh, well, that's amazing. You know, I, that hasn't ever been my experience. You know, any times I've tried to stop. So I can't say 
the people I know who only drink once in a while and oh maybe I maybe I'm not thinking of every case here maybe I shouldn't even say this they don't really seem happy when they're not I know that's kind of a shitty thing to say. They seem to like, like, like a light bulb snaps on. Not, not like, like a light bulb where you're having ideas and thoughts. Like a fucking party strobe light snaps on, a black light and flashing disco lights snap on when they have a drink or two, right? And they are instantly enjoying, like, really fucking enjoying themselves. And then the rest of their life, like that might be once a month, once every two months, the rest of their life, they're kind of very, I don't want to use the word dull, but just very medium, I guess. Very not like excitable or interested a whole lot. And that's hard to say, right? Because I feel bad saying that, but I'm like, does it how often you use it make you an alcoholic or does it happen to be like that's the only time you're happy right i don't know i don't know you just seem kind of depressed all the rest of their life and most of these issues i've kind of come to the conclusion for myself that it's really about me and what i want i you know whether someone else is using or not i mean personally unless i fucking sponsor them it isn't really up to me you know do i have an opinion of course i have an opinion i have lots of, i mean i'm an opinionated son of a bitch but, right. you know. is there something to have right. an opinion about because <laughs> right. i surely do right. and it's definitely a good one yeah give me a minute <laughs> right. Think of what it is. but i've sort of also learned to take a step back and realize that it's not really about me and what i want it's you know i should be doing what i need to do for me and not worrying so much about what other people are doing for them and you know appreciating i mean we've had some people that i know fairly recently there was someone on uh what's that one suboxin yeah suboxin that has like two years on suboxin and wanted to celebrate at an na meeting and you know they were talking about it in their home group and you know again of course i have my opinion about it but i'm like I'm not in that home group. I don't sponsor that person. I'll start a meeting so they have somewhere to celebrate. (laughs) Fuck it. Let's do it. And it's not really up to me. And like, that's tough sometimes. That's, that's hard to stay in your own lane. (laughs) Yes. Worry about myself. But you know, if I, again, if I just focus back to me, like what, what's most important is I look at my reactions the way I deal with, you know, pain medication or my recovery or what my red flags are or what my, you know, triggers, whatever are. And like for me, definitely physical pain is one that triggers that. I mean, my first thought is, man, this is doorway to pain medication. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think it's always been sold to me as we had to monitor what happened in the meetings because the newcomer might get the wrong idea. And I, I think I bought into that for a long time. You can't let people who are doing that celebrate because then the newcomer gets the idea that we're not serious or that that's okay. And like, I don't know. At this point, the newcomer is already probably using anyway, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, or, or they're gonna see what they want to see. You or they're get supposed to. bad information from as many people that have been clean for twenty years as you yeah. get from people that aren't even clean you know right i mean we let the guy with with 30 years celebrate and he's trying to fucking pick up prostitutes on the way (laughs) home and shit and right uh, like what message are we sending there like that we're really about something haven't ever got past a second step you know again it's all about the priority we put the priority on the clean time instead Mm -hmm. of anything else we don't make it a whole experience it's just oh you're clean (laughs) you're doing it yeah. Wow. Yeah, now, in fairness, up. I do think as far as Narcotics Anonymous, I mean, my and again, my obviously educated, important opinion is that, you know, we're a program that is abstinence-based. And what that, to me, means is that you shouldn't be on a drug that treats addiction. Like, if you're on a drug to treat addiction, this probably isn't the place for you. If you're on other drugs for other reasons... You know, that's between you and your sponsor and, you know, your support group. Mm. But if you're on a drug to treat addiction, that's not what NA is. 
What about Vivitrol? I don't think that's mind-altering, is it? Uh, it treats addiction. What's the difference? Well, I mean, mood or mind-altering. So if you're on a... So we can be on a medicine to treat addiction. I don't know if NA stance would agree with you on that. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't... Again, there's. I don't think they have a clear stance, although people would beg to differ. <laughs> lots of individuals have lots of individual points of view. Well, I think they had that pamphlet or whatever we read at one point that said yeah. you can't take things to treat the addiction. Like that was pretty right. clear in there. Vivitrol is definitely taking something to treat the addiction or to stop you from being able to use. I, I don't know. Yeah, but we take caffeine and nicotine and they both definitely affect your mind and mood. All right. So it's all made up and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Just say right. you're clean. That's what I got. Can we talk about steroids? Does that fit into this in any way? I don't know why. I just. I Yeah, I don't know a lot about them, but I've never taken them. <laughs> so here's my beef, right? Uh, <laughs> we came to this idea, basically. What's your motivation? Like you mentioned that. Your sponsor asked you that when you took that, that pain pill. What was your motivation? And I think that's what relapse is all about. What was your motivation? If somebody kidnaps you, I know we always go through this. It'll never happen. But if somebody kidnaps you and puts a gun to your head and says, shoot this speedball, you obviously did not intend to relapse. It doesn't have to be considered a relapse. In my head, I don't care if you shot heroin and cocaine or not, right? right? Like, you didn't mean to. You were forced to. Same way, I went to take Benadryl instead of Sudafed. My doctor recommended Sudafed. I thought they were kind of similar, but I also thought when I read the Benadryl box, it talked about itchy and scratchy and uh, tired and it sounded like heroin to me like mild I was like yeah let's take some of these uh, and so I I actually took that with the intent in my mind of hoping to get some of those feelings and my sponsor said that wasn't a relapse and I'm like I don't know man I'm pretty fucking sure it was like I, <laughs> I know what my motivation was taking this shit um, and I ended up relapsing after that anyway so it didn't matter I didn't right. have to count that time but so I agree all about motivation right so people say steroids is using and I say, I don't think so. The motivation is not to get high. The motivation is to look better, be bigger. I, I'm not saying it's a healthy way to deal with the way you feel about yourself or your insecurities. I do not think it's getting high. It just doesn't sound like a relapse to me. I would have to, I mean, I, I've, again, I don't know that much about steroids. I'd have to see how that affects your mind and mood on a daily basis like well, does it have a lot of pull a... people out of their cars and shit beat them to death yeah that's definitely a bad side effect <laughs> or you <laughs> i mean i've heard all those things or... and i'm sure there's different ones that do different things um i i guess what a more what i mean is is this something that's altering the way that you think and act then you probably <sighs> shouldn't be taking it i don't you know think there's I mean? a high like, to it yeah. In any way. Uh, and then I would challenge, you know, whether is that really necessary? Like, are you a fucking trying to be a professional bodybuilder or no, are you trying just... to be jacked? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was working out. I, I was really into working out for a lot of my recovery. Um, I still work out pretty regularly, but obviously I'm a little older and not getting those kind of results anymore. Yeah. But anyway. After, you know, eventually the human body hits a point where yeah, you just can't wall. get much bigger, right? Like you're kind of at your limits there. And I was like, I would not, if I was to take steroids, I would not be taking them to fucking get hot. I'm not taking them to change the way I feel. I'm taking them because I want to increase my performance in the gym. Same way I take creatine, same way I take protein. Right, it's I, like a supplement. Yeah. Right? And I just couldn't understand. And then, and I never got around to doing it. I, I, there was a lot of reasons why I don't, right? I already had some anger. Didn't want to be one of those like wrestler guy stories where they take right. out their family or something. That's awful. Um, but I, I did really, I'd get annoyed at the people who say it's a relapse. And I'm like, for fucking what? Like I, I would be taking it to change my physical appearance, change my physical abilities, not to get high. I don't know. And so this is the yeah. one that really bothered me, right? So a guy comes into recovery, wants to, you know, feel better about himself, look better on the outside. I, I know that's not all the way to do it, but that's what he wants right then, right? Takes steroids, gets in the gym, 
can't say I've seen this be very successful for very long for many people either. Most of them do use again. So <laughs> kind of shooting myself in the foot right. here. But anyway, he does this and he changes his physical appearance to, to look better on the outside and possibly feel better, right? They say he's using. Woman comes into recovery, decides she wants to alter her external appearance, goes and gets a tit job, right? Takes literal pain medication in the healing process, took actual drugs she didn't use. What the fuck's it? What? That seems ass backwards. So she can change her outside appearance, take actual drugs during the healing process of the surgery that was completely unnecessary, and she does, she's still clean. But a guy comes in to alter his outside appearance, doesn't take any actual opioids, and he's not clean. And I'm baffled by that interpretation of our... Well, yes. I think we aren't very educated on most of those issues as a as a society or as a fellowship. I mean, I've heard, vaguely heard, not dug in deep, but... Uh, some people talk about, like, why are steroids illegal in the first place? Like, we should just let fucking athletes, who cares about a baseball player, if he wants to take fucking HGH and get jacked and Aren't fucking we hit watching it for 70 the home runs, like, right. who gives a fuck? We'll all love it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, they take all these other supplements, they take all this other shit. Like, what's the difference? You know, when does it cross the line? Like, all these other supplements and vitamins and all these other things, like, HGH is just a hormone. Like, yeah. So I've heard all those, you know, discussions. Again, I've never, I mean, I've thought briefly, like, yeah, I want to be jacked. I'm going to get some fucking steroids and be jacked. But then I'm just too lazy. I'm like, because uh, I know you got to do the work to get there, and mm. then you got to do the work to maintain it, and that and does not interest too. me at all. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I've I've heard, you know, people say, you know, being on steroids is using, I don't know, I'd have to, like, say, I'd have to really dig it. For me, it would matter of, like, all right, are you on a supplement that's, like, really fucking with your mind and mood? If you are, that's really dangerous, and you need to stop, you know? How would and you ever you, know if you never took them, though? Well, I mean, just, like, research-wise. Like, I would look into, like, the effects of this medication. Like, you can look up the effects of how heroin affects most people and get a general idea of how it affects people. Have you ever talked to people who used to take Suboxone and don't anymore? Not, I mean, not specifically about it, no. I have, because I, I it was the whole, does it get you high or not? Because I had a sponsee who was on it, and I wanted to know, like, is this fucking him up or no? Half of them will say, yes, definitely gets you high. Sucks, it's not a good high, but you definitely get high, you feel it. Other half say, nope, never felt the fucking thing. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, how do right. I know? I've never taken it. And, and, and I got a half and half story here of like whether it actually gets you high or not. And, and none of the people really have a reason to lie about it. None of them are trying to count the clean time when they were on it or none of that. They were just people who I just asked. Like, so let me know. Like, did you really feel it or no? Right. Half say yeah, half say no. So how would you, like, I guess, and I would think it's probably the same with steroids. Like, how would you know? And, yeah. and even if it worked on your body one way, how would you know for anybody else? I don't know. I just wanted to make the point about the boob job versus the steroids. <laughs> yeah. I've been wanting to make that point for years, and I appreciate you giving me the yeah. space to do it. Yeah. I don't know if it really it's fit definitely, in. Uh, it definitely seems backwards. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Sensibly. I, I try know. to not make all these emotional. These are emotional decisions. People they get are. so, and I, I believe it comes back to it's fucking hard to be abstinence all the time. You know, it's hard. There are times that I would love to go out and fucking be able to say it's okay to have a couple of beers and be this normal person that can use in some rational way. And so I don't. I maintain my abstinence or close to it over my 20 years, you know, with, I don't know if you want to count the medication I took that was prescribed or not prescribed or whatever. Abstinence. But, yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. And... But it's hard, yeah. and so we want it, I don't know, specially noted how hard it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it deserves an extra credit because it's fucking hard. The definitive answer about whether steroids is using is 
it depends on how big the guy on steroids is that's asking you. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. if he's fucking huge, it's definitely right. not using. No, yeah. man, you're clean as hell. Because he might bash your head in. <laughs> right, right. You look great. You are right. super clean. I can tell. Right. Cleaner than me. Yeah. <laughs> Most clean I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What else you got about pain medication? Anything? Uh, no, that was about it. Beautiful. Uh, so look, in all seriousness, we do a lot of joking around. If you're in a situation where pain medicine seems like the thing that you need to do, um, be really careful. Include people in the decision making. Eh, not totally, but include yeah. them at least in the in the being honest about it. Right. Um, don't feel like you got to hide it. Be open and honest, because even if in the long run you decide you, you don't have the clean time or whatever because of how you took it. It's still, I think you're in a safer place to come back and be a part of the group if you've talked about it and been open and honest and, and just take it seriously. It's a scary thing, even when it's the right thing. It's still scary. Yeah, definitely. Have people that you can talk to that will support you and love you in that decision-making process. And and hopefully some people that understand addiction and your addiction, you know, so that they can guide you a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. See you all next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>